0: In this episode, I'm once again joined by Lauren Roche, PhD, meditation teacher and author of The Radiance Sutras. Lauren describes meditation as an affair with life force itself, explores the role of sleep and rest, and explains the discipline of following the cosmic impulse in one's practice. In the context of his meditative view, and drawing from his experience of 40 years of marriage, Lauren reflects on intimate relationship, including his own journey in understanding intimacy, meditation keys to a thriving relationship, and how to use meditation to keep love alive. Lauren also discusses tantric sex, including the difference between technique and art, common errors and misunderstandings, and the redemptive power of spiritual union. So without further ado, Lauren Roche, Ph.D.
1: To thrive in meditation, it should, to use the word should, what's a better word than that? It should feel like you're having an affair with the life force, that, that you're kind of sneaking off to be in an erotic, loving, intimate relationship with prana. With the life force itself and that you're filling up with everything you need to go out into the world and conquer to do your thing to thrive and that
2: you're you're receiving from your communion with this flow
1: because a body is always, we're always exchanging energy with the environment. That's what breathing is, for example. Every two seconds, we breathe around 20 or 22,000 times a day. And breath is as intimate as anything can be. This stuff, this air, that's such a substance that airplanes that weigh many tons can can fly on it breath is substance in and, and it's our primary fuel we breathe and immediately the air is feeding the flames that in meditation we can approach this intimate exchange that is the ongoing the ongoing play of energies and substances through our body. And it's all instincts. It's sexual, it's survival, it's power, it's pure spiritual love, it's information, it's curiosity, you know, it's homing and bonding and resting. And that is exactly what meditation is always about and it's also the most troublesome aspect of meditation is that we'll have a kind of a junta there's always a hunter there's always a group of our sub-personalities that go yeah I've got it going on we're the t- we're the in group and all those other people those are the out group whatever parts of yourself are cast out <clears throat> and the parts that we've excluded or haven't learned how to use yet they're there, kind of like a dog outside the door, going to <laughs> be scratching to get in and appearing in your dreams. And it's always a lot of trouble to include a banned aspect of ourselves, even if it is the exact instinctive energy that we need to survive and adapt to our next stage of life. And it's why meditation can be such a great way to let these dynamics work out. And if you if because if you want to stay in a long term loving relationship, you have to go in and meet all the parts of yourself and just keep on including more so that the you that you bring to your relationship keeps on getting richer. it's in this in this way. It's more adventuresome to stay in a long term relationship than it is to like be choosing Tinder, or Grinder or whatever the app of the day is, <clears throat> and meeting new people. Because if your perception if you keep on opening all of your senses to perceive one person, is actually psychedelic and intense yeah meditation can be a path of love adoration complete surprise continual astonishment as you open more and more and let your senses function the way that they were designed to and it's natural like if you look at dogs and cats and tune into how their their senses are working, you know, it it feels like they have superpowers. Like their senses are so intense. They'll put cameras in, well, everybody has cameras now. <clears throat> but saying it, they'll have a dog at home and there's a camera that's been running, and the the person is a mile away, and the dog's ears perk up, and and he runs to the door, wagging his tail. And and a mile away, like what superpower here? How is that telepathy? How does the dog know from that far away? Well, we have those senses too. it that dogs and cats and horses and other animals, they're, they're tuned into their senses. And when we allow our senses just to function the way they're designed like the world is psychedelic it just it glows it shimmers and the people we love glow even if we're seeing the same person every day for years like camille and i been together 39 years and it's still startling all day and all night to perceive
2: the mystery of embodiment and it really helps
1: if both people are meditating to stay in that that the ayahuasca journey of everyday life yeah It's wild. The meditation traditions, it turns out, started with drinking the psychedelic wine called soma, which ritually prepared with all of this chanting, all these songs, and then being transported by the visions. And then after a while, maybe a thousand years of this, they they decided, hey, let's let's do these practices that the that the psychedelic substance the soma taught us to incite the body to manufacture its own It's like let's have our let's do yoga so their bodies will create their own natural psychedelic that that's what the vedas say and that predates buddha so Well, I talked enough. Let's let's zero in on what you got to say. What are you wondering about? What do you want to ask? What do you want to talk about? Well,
0: actually, you've intuited very accurately what I wanted to ask you about. I wanted to ask you about relationship within the context of your um, of your life and your meditation journey and uh your journey as a writer as an artist i'm curious what your journey of relationship has been it, meaning your changing understanding of relationship where did you start what were your beginning assumptions in your life and how did you arrive at the understanding you've just expressed
1: well i grew up in the ocean <clears throat> my whole family was surfers and i, I would gestated on a board or right Right at the edge of the ocean at these little surfing beaches in Southern California. And then I used to go out on my dad's board when I was like a year and a half old. <laughs> the beach was our living room. <laughs> so one of my first memories is crawling around on the sand and my dad, I see my dad. The boards in 1951. Were these huge things? <laughs> See, my dad, he paddles out right beside me, and I called out to him, and he looked back, and then came back and got me, and then we went out on on the board. Uh, so my first relationship really was with the ocean. It was all I cared about was being in the ocean, and um, body surfing, and and surfing, and that. Really, everything else was like way down on the list. And uh, I was one of four boys in my family. I have one older sister. So there was really this herd of boys as far as the family was concerned. There's this herd of boys. And we were just allowed to run free. And so, um, and in the attitude in the 50s, you just, you'd be arrested today if you raise kids this way i mean but this is the way, the attitude in the 50s was just like don't come home until it gets dark <laughs> it'll be don't don't get injured we don't want to be bothered to take you to the to the vet or or whatever the, the don't get injured um we lived in Malibu and the doctor was um he rode it, he would ride his horse over <laughs> and make alcohol. <asphalt. laughs> but he was kind of a drunk and a great character, but it's like don't get injured. And when you raise kids like that, they often don't. Like my knees were always scratched you know, it's a scab on them like, like little boys do. But we just ran wild up and down the cliffs. And um, <laughs> so you just go home and get food and then go back out. And I didn't really like, become alert to relationships until I started meditating when like my senses just popped open. And yeah, I didn't know anything. I mean, I was really emotionally, I think I was about as ignorant as you can be. i mean, gonna I like, really dumb, emotionally, like no comprehension not tracking and we'd we would tend to move whenever whenever i was getting established and really in a groove we would move to a different little beach town and i'd just be a, a stranger so like, i just i tended to not have any friends at all until i was about 18. Um, like in in 1960, my dad and I spent the summer in Africa hunting and filming and I was fishing. So like at age 10, I was a really good shot. I was a good hunter. I was, I was sneaky, like a ninja. And I could just sneak around all over Kenya and Uganda and Tanzania, and I fed the whole crew of fourteen people. I'd get up in the morning, I'd make I made my own fishing poles and and gear, and I'd go out, and you know by ten or eleven in the morning, I come dragging back all these fish that I caught in the rivers nearby, and then I'd give those to the cook, and then in the afternoon. I'd go out hunting for these turkey-like birds, and uh, you know, I'd bring back three or so. Just so feeding fourteen people every day, so it's just like, and it just felt normal and natural. That's the way I was at age ten, and then at eleven, we're back in Malibu Age eleven, we're back in Malibu. And had this forty-five-minute bus ride from Malibu into Santa Monica, so I'm at eleven. I'm in this big school, Lincoln Junior High School, and I'm just completely insecure.
2: <laughs>
1: like I was like strong and muscular from just a lifetime in the ocean and and just being athletic, and the cool kids were kind of skinny, like long. So I envied the the cool kids because there were just these these guys in in the class and then my hair was curly and they these people had straight hair it's so like i i was mad at my curly hair. i mean kids are like that <laughs> you know, i wanted to have straight hair um and i just had no one to talk to until i started meditating when I was about 18. I was just very, like, in the natural world, and I knew nothing of the human world. And when I started meditating, because I was, it was so incredibly lucky to be introduced to the world described by the Vinyana Bhairava Tantra, like, that was the first thing that i ever beheld that i ever read on meditation that gorgeous generous invitation into the deliciousness of
2: life i just bonded with that approach and
1: like from a lifetime of surfing things like going out at dawn into the ocean it's a being in vastness is natural, terrifying and ecstatic. So I was comfortable with that. I knew that that's how you do it. So I was just incredibly lucky. And I had incredible, great tutoring as a teenager. Like all those geniuses that founded Esalen, all this Huxley, Fritz Pearls,
2: Ida Rolf. George Leonard, Abraham Maslow, the, their thought I had access
1: to their students. Usually I was working with their students. And, and so I got to
2: build my practice from there. And then, um, i
1: had a series of incredible girlfriends just like why wise, wise women <laughs> at 19. <laughs> and we got to explore the mysteries of tantric sex together That is incredible so that's when i began to like get a hint about human relationship what a what a path but Yeah, I'm like, always feel like I'm coming from behind. It's a marvel to me that the human community, I don't ever take it for
2: granted that there's love in human hearts. I'm permanently like in awe and
1: gratitude for every bit of tenderness and love that comes my way, or that I feel
2: in my heart. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm coming from a place of great loneliness uh,
1: as a child, where I didn't even know that I was lonely and alone. Because <laughs> when you're always that way. it <laughs> just not that just, I didn't even think about it. Like, that's just what what life is i was bonded with nature and with the ocean and the sun particularly yeah so i'm always feel like i'm learning for the
2: first time how to be human yeah i don't really consider myself an expert at anything I'm, I'm on a path of wonder and learning every day. I did though, I feel like I set my intent. Like
1: I remember, I've been teaching meditation for maybe four years, I was like 22. And I looked around and I realized that like the workshop leaders and the teachers were lonely that they're kind of on a throne in their own mind and they they elevate themselves above everyone else and they're lonely and because of the dynamics if you put yourself above everyone you, you're setting up the dynamics for the so that you fall and because I was so young like really from the time I was 18, when I started meditating, like for the next 20 years, pretty much everyone was older than me. All my teachers were older than me. Often my girlfriends were older than me. My students were mostly older than me, except most of them. I I taught in junior high schools and high schools. I started teaching meditation in elementary, not elementary school, but junior high school and high school and college. And because I was younger, a lot of the older people would confess things to me that they probably didn't even tell their therapists. it would be like, kid, don't let this happen to you. And then they would give me like a snapshot of their whole life. Hmm. So hmm. these older meditation teachers and therapists, people would, would share their stories with me. And I set my intent on having an equal relationship with the woman and like together we would teach actually that somehow that intent formed like i want to have a relationship you know like i love relationship that's also a friendship and it's based in equality and it's not this attitude of superiority like i see all around me where like the men in particular treated women as disposable. Like they would be with them as long, as long as they're um, subservient and then and then dismiss them. Yeah. And so maybe I was 23, 24, when that very dangerous impulse arose in my heart and I committed myself to that path, how I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn how to do that. You know, how do you have, a relation how do you keep relationship where you're keeping love alive how do we use meditation to keep love alive and flowing so that you don't take the other person for granted so they don't become a tool that you're using that you stay in that mystery of love and awe you stay like in deep gratitude that this other person is choosing to share their life with you to share a day with you? How do you? How do you live that? Because it's, it's actually implied in the radiant sutras and in the Vinyana Bhairava Tantra. Because it's framed that the teaching is actually framed as a conversation between the goddess and Shiva. So the whole the whole presentation of meditation practices, which are called doorways to the soul is presented as part of a love flow of play. It's a conversation between lovers. And the idea there is that when you're meditating, the actual practice of yoga meditation is a conversation between lovers between your embodiment which is trillions of cells and and even if we use yoga anatomy tens of thousands of little tiny rivers and and vortices and this magnificent creation that we're part of that Meditation is itself an intimate
2: conversation of co-creation. That's the meta message
1: of how the meditation instructions are even framed. So I hadn't really thought of that before, hadn't ever put it together in that way. But it's, imp- it's implied in, in the Bhairava Tantra itself. So it's, it's hair raising adventure too. <laughs> Cause it is like skydiving or skiing at high speed at the same time, making a pot of tea and sharing it here. Would you like a cup of tea? It's doing many things simultaneously. And to, I find that I, in the course of a day, I make up little teeny microscopic meditations continuously that I've never heard of. I go, um, one day I was standing at the kitchen counter in the morning and, and, uh, I get, I tend to get up at four and I, I'll come out, I'll come stand over there and write. And so by nine, you know, I've had a whole day. So Camille gets up usually around eight thirty or so. So I'm standing over there. I've been up for hours, had meditated for an hour, written for hours. And when I'm writing, you're mining your memories. So I was standing over there. And I was having flashbacks of this woman I was with when I was like 26. And how she would she had been traumatized. And so she would take it out on me, she would just for no reason, she would just saying it's all wrong blah 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 blah, and get on these long rants of an hour or two blaming me um for like the way life was on earth in 500 bc it would just should just go on and on and i was standing over there and i was shuddering at the kind of trauma i got by by sympathy and also that i it stayed there that i didn't just say you know what i'm out of here I was apologizing, apologizing to myself for putting up with that because it was abusive. And I just was having flashbacks, standing there and Camille walked out and she goes, are we fighting? (laughs) She picked it was giving off, I was giving off an energy field of conflict. She just, and she just was meditating, had been meditating and she walked out she goes are we fighting and there have been other times when we didn't catch it soon enough and like some flashback i was having spilled over and we would like fight about something and it wasn't even anything real so to stay in lively relationship, we have to get good at healing ourselves like instantly, which is basically like a magic power. You have to invent your own magic wand and say like poof, you're healed. Like, you have to have your own Glinda and they're going, and now my child, you're healed. Or, or if you like, like Shiva's wand or Surya's flame, you have to go into the higher power and say and do this all in a second like heal me right now totally so that my present moment doesn't doesn't get sacrificed because years ago someone was in pain or and i was in pain and another thing that we find camille and i is that you can't ever say You always, (laughs) the thing that comes, there's that thing you do. You always do this and I never that. Whatever the language is. It's like you can't hold on to the past. You have to heal yourself from the past very totally. And in this way, it's like what people do when they're climbing cliffs where it's, scary and so there's this attention becomes very in. it's realizing that each moment is so precious and that you have to summon the forces of the universe to heal you right now so that you don't betray your love so in some ways moment to moment if we really want to stay in fresh perception It's very much like jumping out of an airplane or skiing at high speed or surfing or any sports that we love. There's an intensity and you have to summon everything you can to bring your absolute
2: best self to this moment. Yeah. And that's wonderful. It really is. And so it means the
1: way that you have to use meditation as a substitute for any drinking or drugs that you want to do. You have to demand of meditation that it tune your nerves and your hormones so that you're so full of bliss and the joy of life that it's kind of spilling over, you have extra to give away. So that's what I'm learning. I'm just making it up as I go along, you know, coming from, I think, really like knowing nothing. (laughs) Just being kind of a, a dumb, lonely nature kid. And, and letting um this path of meditation and the marvel um relationship teach me day by day I'll say this I surprise myself almost every day at the psychedelic intensity of reality like what it actually means to be here and I go a bit further every day into the the how the simultaneous like power joy incomprehensible uh, incomprehensible vastness of what how we got here how we are here how we're sustained here moment by moment i mean just to look at it in terms of physics and biology Every breath we breathe has been basically manufactured by the interaction of the sun, which is like a million hydrogen bombs going off simultaneously, radiating across millions of miles of space, shining on the oceans, this incredible power, and trillions upon trillions, trillions of trillions of little tiny, beings in the ocean absorb the energy from the sun and crack water and which is h2o it's hydrogen into oxygen they breathe out oxygen and that's what we're breathing in right now so we're breathing in the sun and we're breathing in the oceans of the world and also all over the lakes that's what we're breathing And this breath is feeding trillions of tiny fires in the the body because the, a cell is a little teeny furnace burning oxygen and and glycogen. So I keep being more and more amazed by what it is to be alive. And, uh, feed that's nourishing, being aware of how this dance of the sun and the earth
2: is nourishing us continuously that relationship is
1: powerful more and more powerful. powerful to me i'm like i'm learning to not take it for granted and bathing in that which i need to when i bathe in that every day just soak in it it tunes my senses to really be my best self here moment by moment until the i need to be in relationship with the solar system in order to handle the intensity of being with one woman year after year and having it be so fresh that that my it's as much that i'm just i'm aching with love at how great it is. So that is really wild. And I'm learning about that all the time, that I need to be in immediate sensory contact with this whole solar system, for the sake of loving this one woman right here, and getting through the day. And that if I'm, you know, if I'm don't do my inner work, it's like, The day it doesn't sparkle as much it's not as much fun and this is what meditations really like for me and the meditation world is odd in that there's so many people wanting to sincerely wanting to meditate just there's hundreds of millions of people really really wanting to learn to meditate and integrate it into their life and yet, the map they have of what meditation is is quite inappropriate for their lifestyle. Like for a responsible person, if you have a to-do list and people depend upon you, then even the idea that your mind should go blank is toxic. It's just forget about it. It's you want to celebrate every thought that ever flows through your head like oh my God how great that I have thoughts you say you're meditating and you remember something to call somebody how amazing that my memory works thank you like how amazing that I know people how amazing how wonderful that there's people that re, that depend upon me like say you're meditating and you're thinking like I need to buy a new water bowl for my dog. It's like, how wonderful that there's a dog that loves me and that there are water bowls, (laughs) there are water bowls in the world. If you're a kind of person that's in relationship, and you have responsibilities, every single moment of thinking about that is a blessing. It it is your mantra, and so you give up this idea that my mind is wandering. If meditation is a celebration of prana, you're bathing and tuning prana. Then everything that you think, every thought, every sensation, every plan that you're making, you're thinking, must go shopping and get this and the other thing, that's outflowing prana. It's just a form another form of prana. So, if you want your to thrive in meditation, every impulse, every emotion, every sensation, every thought is a is a form that prana is taking. It's form of the it's a form that your intelligence is taking. And just just love it, just adore it, because it'll come up and it'll need a little bit of attention, and it'll go. So it's flow meditation is the practice of flow and rhythm and learning to love that flow and rhythm more and more it's a practice of love well i'll pause here and then you ask away if you, if you have time to continue yes i'd love to continue yeah you
0: mentioned tantric sex you mentioned that it's another area full of let's just say different interpretations, different ideas, much like meditation. When you think of tantric sex, what do, you, what do you think of? What's your orientation there? What is tantric sex to you? And I have, you know, some specific, more specific questions than that, but perhaps that's a, that's a good place to start.
1: Well, it's going into lovemaking and basically just using the skills of meditation to let the energies build and build as much as you can tolerate so that the joy the intensity lasts as long as you can handle it and then either with any with any peak sort of transcending on each peak. Now, transcending doesn't mean going beyond the body, it means going into the energy, dissolving into the
2: energy, becoming one with the energy. And
1: including, so the peak could be, you know, a wave and then building and then building and building. And so that in orgasm there's a complete like total cellular release of that every cell of the body merges with the life force so it, we've all felt something like this that the body turns into light it and delight and so there's both juice and fire and Everyone's felt that to some degree, even if it's very localized. So letting that intense joy that might just be focused in the genitals take over the entire body and even the field around you, and then wrap up both lovers or whatever your configuration is. So, It really tantric sex is going into that which we all crave, which is to experience merging and union with the life force, just going there all the way. And you in practice, there's a lot of mechanics that you can learn about. There's a lot to learn about touch. Like, for example say you're like sizzling with lust you're just like you're just like vibrating with the power of passion in that state even the lightest touch is electrifying it can be so intense and learning to tolerate the supreme urgency the electricity and let it build and build and build beyond what you think would even be possible and stay in light touch. And then. Let that change into whatever you're going to do next, more and more stronger touch, or if you want to stay in light touch. Then being together, even without moving becomes like rivers gushing, just get the life force wants to flow. And if you don't say move vigorously towards orgasm, there's a way to be in the subtlest motion. So there's, although there's less physical motion, inwardly, you're just, it's like you're dissolved. You, life will, mer- the power wants to merge and so it sort of speak breaks through and you, you feel as if you're moving really fast even though you're still and so there's a an integration yoga means integration of opposites there's a there's power and peace at the same time And there's amazing experiences to be had there. And then like at the same time, you have to take care of your body. Like back in the 70s, I had a lot of friends that thought they were practicing Tantra because they were reading these books written by people that are sort of control freaks some tantric a lot there's a lot of um we could just say creepy and erroneous thinking in tantra tantra is composed by neurotics there's um a whole trend in what's called tantra I don't consider it but by men who are afraid of love and so they'd experienced orgasm as draining it's actually a huge trend so I knew a lot of guys that were influenced by this. So they thought that you have to withhold your ejaculation. And like, they're very proud of themselves, like, they're able to make love and not ejaculate. And they, they bought into this fear that you lose vitality when you ejaculate. Because people that don't love experience that. And then, you know, I would say, whenever, whenever somebody would say that to me, I said, Oh, yeah, how many bladder infections have you gotten? And they go like a lot, well, what does that have to do anything? I said, you don't think that has something to do with it? (laughs) Because there's a lot of plumbing (laughs) you've got to maintain. So there's a lot of errors in the tantric thinking and tantric books, many kinds, many kinds of errors. So you have to, everybody has to find their own tantra. And just be aware to um this is something that has been written about and fantasized about for thousands of years or at least a thousand and there's quite a bit of darkness in it and also incredible beauty yeah but it just i i can't imagine being who i am now without having had years of incredible ecstatic tantric sex um experiencing the Divine right right there right there in another person in that in the flow of love
2: experiencing that that redemptive
1: yeah, I was so lucky. Yeah. When I was yeah, when I was twenty. Yeah, I met kind of a tantric goddess. She was nineteen and later she became a really famous tantra teacher. And uh,
2: she's just a genius at love making. with luck to the practice tantra. First,
1: you need a really satisfying meditation practice, I would and a healthy, happy
2: relationship with nature. It's like you need, you need to dance or something like dancing could be wandering in nature, any sport,
1: ocean sports, anything where you move your body joyously to exhaustion. You need that. You need then the opposite of total relaxation. Total, like where you get exhausted and then say lie down and surrender to the earth. You need to have caught up on your sleep so otherwise you'll fall asleep in in total relaxation, and you actually need to have done a lot of work on your to do list so that when you're really really relaxed, your mind doesn't wander. Because anything, if there's anything unfinished, any conversation that's unfinished, when you enter into the sacred temple like a of a, when you're entering into the intimacy with your own life force anything unfinished will come to mind. And you don't want that. You don't want your, like you're with somebody, another person, and you're both falling into love. You don't wanna, oh, my friend Joe is mad at me, or I didn't pay him back that 20 bucks, or he owes me 20 bucks, or, or, you know, my dog is mad at me for not taking him for a walk. You need to be all caught up on your to-do list, which can take a lot of work, a lot of journaling and kind of Marie kondo your inner life. That's much more
2: important than anything else at times. And
1: it's actually all there in the, the, the Ashtanga, model the ostanga means eight limbs it's not steps it's limbs so the yama and niyamas relationship you have to tend to the wholeness of your life simultaneously so that when you want to be in this vibrancy of a powerful relationship all your other relationships are taken care of you just wrapped them up and that it's actually, I think it's harder than the mechanics of tantric sex. It's living so clean that like you never promise to do anything that you're not going to follow through on. You never say yes, if you don't feel it, if you feel no, and make sure that you say yes to the things that you need to say yes to, so you, to practice tantra. You need actually to move through your life with such sin that you really Approaching each relationship and as much as possible, finishing it and then knowing where you're at with each relationship and being complete. And that is actually, I think, much harder than everything else technically to do with tantric sex. It is. It's staying so clean that you really like attending to all of your responsibilities. And it might mean radically simplifying your life. Yeah, that's much harder technically. And it's really important to say no when you need to say no,
2: because we all crave that ecstatic merging of
1: sex, except for people that are asexual. We don't know what percentage that is. And I haven't interviewed enough people like that to even have a hint of what their desire nature is. We all crave that. That Tantra is an intensity of electronic relationship that our bodies are capable of, where sexual desire and spiritual desire are merged into one and the entire body all of the chakras are lit up and flowing the way they love to and crave to and it's a field of relationship and so by nature our attention is called to anything unfinished and so when we enter the temple of love any it's like, oh, I forgot to pay that bill or that, you know, I have to apply for a new passport because we're going to tra- gonna be traveling in six months and they're, they have a backlog. Whatever, the, you want to have already taken care of all of your to-do list to the point that you know what you're not doing, you know, that you've, you're just up to speed with your action flow. That's actually, for, for us, modern people, there's a couple of obstacles. One is that we have complex to-do lists and that they need to be maintained. And you can get to the point where your mind is empty. It's like when you've, if you know all of your to-do lists and, th- and then you know what you're not doing, your mind can just completely be uncluttered And the other is you have to be caught up on your sleep and relaxation time. Like most of us have a sleep deficit because of the electric light. And so bodies don't function properly when they don't get enough sleep, which is often like eight hours a night. And it's not negotiable. You just, everybody has X number of hours of sleep. You could just look up whatever the, the average is, do your own research and it, it's just not negotiable and it includes dreaming time. And the weird thing about sleep is there is no drug you can take that promotes sleep in its full glory, because in what we call sleep, we alternate between sleeping and dreaming and sleeping and dreaming. And so the drug that might put you into deep sleep will most likely interfere with dreaming. And so your brain won't be able to function normally because you haven't had enough dream time. So that's the other hard thing about technically practicing Tantra is being totally rested. Meditation is completely different if you're totally rested. It just... it what you think of as obstacles just sort of aren't there in the same way when you're completely rested yeah so to-do lists maintenance getting rested and then having joyous movement time in nature whatever it is for you skydiving dancing any kind of sport skateboarding whatever those are the preparation of your body for really living tantra and get those going and then approach studying tantric sex. Yeah. If not a separate thing, you know, tantric sex is actually just following the impulse, following the deepest, this cosmic, delicious, and yet personal impulse. To hook up, to to jump into this adventure of letting letting our, the river of life in us flow into the river of life in another another person. Um, in in the uh, the sutra, in the Bhairava Tantra, it's Shakti Sangma. It's like river, this vibrant the vibrant divine power flowing like a river through you the rivers flow into each other
2: the rhythm of tantric
1: lovemaking is that you're in your own inner universe and then you overflow and meet and match the other person's inner universe and they overflow and carry you they're like a drug or a mantra the other person is a mantra that you're listening to it's a, a the other person is an ecstatic psychedelic substance that you're drinking and back and forth this way it's continuously surprising like great sex is so that you you have to be awake to your own inner world so you might like touch and merge and then fall back and be in the inner universe and then touch and
2: merge and and back and forth. And then perhaps climax and then you both dissolve together.
1: And then you wind back in your skin. And then getting up after sex and then going out and being a separate and doing your own thing, then starting to miss your lover, and then longing to see him or her or them. And then coming back together, there's a rhythm, you go out, and then you come back. So it's like that saying, distance makes the heart go fine. It's like, you go away. And then like inside, you're missing, you're thinking of them, wow, that Oh, I'm so happy. I miss them. Oh, boy, we're gonna have dinner, we're gonna go dancing, or we're gonna snuggle, whatever you think, going away and then coming back. That's the rhythm of a relationship. Even when you're together
2: joined, you go in and out. in, in yoga,
1: there's like a, basically a science of the senses. Meditation is sensuous experience. It's not mind per se. It's senses. It's through the senses that we even know what we're thinking. What what breath feels like. And in yoga, there's a science of levels of perception that every sight, sound, touch, smell, taste, thought, every perception, there's the obvious level, and there's like in in a quiet inner level, like we could we could think of a sound, like when we have a song in our head. And there's a level be deeper than that subvocal hearing, that's just pulsations. And there's a level where it's actually luminosity, where that song is a vibration in matter and it glows and it vibrates. And then there's a level of that song in your head that's also the space-time continuum. That's a, it's as if it's a hum, but it's a hum of silence. And these are, that's called the four levels of sound. And a lot of yoga training, it's a, Riding that elevator up and down, traveling, setting your attention free to go from, say, if it sound like a word, Om or Buddha or Om Mane, Padme Hum or Om Namah, to the a quiet inner sound, to the pulsation, the luminosity, to where. You're actually perceiving the world that sound comes from, to merging with that Buddha impulse permeating the cosmos that that gave rise to it. That's the yoga of sound. And you can learn to do that with every sense, touch, vision, smell, taste, movement. So, like some people's meditation is, I uh, may be eyes open, and in movement, or eyes open, gazing at nature. or watching the horizon or looking at the ocean. It's not has it is not relevant for some people to close the eyes, but any sensory pathway you take. Meditation, is a. Tr- setting your attention free to go from this world of like the ordinary level of perception to perceiving the within of things. And it's, it's ecstatic to do this. It's, it's a joy. It feels like the perfect massage and we love it just like your cat or dog They come over and they just like they just love being touched yoga meditation is powered by our craving our instinctive craving to be in the fullness of our own embodied experience so that we're seeing not just like the outer light but the inner light we're, we're actually experience our body as glo- a glow with light and then our own glow is part of like it's very it's akin to the sun shining and the stars shining that when we're listening to the sound of a mantra that it starts to feel like the music of life and like the hum of our atoms vibrating which is the song of the universe itself. And then the silent seeming silent for lack of a better word, space between the atoms. Meditation is setting awareness free to range and explore wherever it wants to go in all these levels. And so that is the basic training for Tantra. So that with any touch, if somebody is like kissing one of your erotic zones or teasing you or you're building towards orgasm that you're able to feel the total intensity of that incredible stimulation where there's just a million nerve endings firing and you're able to go into the energy itself and you're actually you become one with the genius of life that created all this. And that this is a specific skill that yoga meditation trains you in. It's in slang, it's not a good word, but it's called transcending, where you you shift between levels. You can dive into any impulse, touch, taste, smell. And inside that, sense perception you you go from the way that it is the way that if you don't meditate you'd experience it into this this taste of the genius of the universe and and so any touch like a light touch or a whisper or even the slight movement it has what has to be called like a psychedelic intensity like it and i don't know what better terms to use none of them feel quite adequate we could say that like the slightest touch anywhere can like blow your mind or like in the people used to say like i died it was so great It's like I died and was reborn in a moment. There's that's what it feels like, like somebody would touch you or kiss you or hold you or step back and let you feel your own body out of respect. And it's as if you die and are reborn. And then you're brand new. It's like a new lifetime, like you would need a new astrological chart from that moment, moment on. So. And to to be that way, it takes everything. I mean, it's like. It takes everything you know how to do. So the techniques And the mantras, they're beautiful and amazing. What's there in the technology of Tantra. But to make it work, you have to do all those things. You have to clean up your whole life and be rested. Yeah. Are there ducks flying by? What's going on? Ducks or dogs barking?
0: Yeah, there's some ducks out there
1: on inside the boat.
0: Yeah, they're having some sort of conference out there. I don't know. (laughs) Or maybe they're agreeing with uh,
1: the ducks. They're going, yeah, we know that. We were like, we know all about that. (laughs) It's about time you human beings woke up to it. You
0: know, you used a very interesting word, Lauren, earlier, which was redemptive.
2: You used the word yeah. "redemptive." What do you mean by that? I was, I was on a, a meditation course.
1: We were in Switzerland on an advanced teacher training. I'd been a teacher for a few years, and I was with my girlfriend, the one who later became a famous tantric sex teacher, and I was licking her, licking her clit, and and she was just there in ecstasy on my bed and i was like on my knees like and it was so cosmic i was used to being around gurus and the the um like the teacher that i was with his magnetism was so powerful that from a couple hundred feet away it was like standing in the wind. There a wind there's a the the light coming off of him and, and around him and there was a sense of like of archangels <laughs> there was such power and joy and light and with her uh, we were in that kind of ecstasy in lovemaking it was utterly um, it was the joy of surfing and music and meditation and spirituality and like everything great in creation, all simultaneously. It was every sunrise, you know, and music. And as I was there with my tongue on her clip, that I realized that in order to stay here, I have to forgive the whole universe. I have to forgive the world, and I have to forgive every traumatic thing that's ever happened to me otherwise my mind would wander i would go into, like i would go into memory or um because experience of that totality of love causes healing and any heartache you have to to rise and there's um there's this great quote from this black baseball player sage what's his name satchel satchel page satch he said love like you've never been hurt in a split second i i realized in order to stay here in this ecstasy i have to absolutely in every cell
2: like totally like forgive the world. And I did. And there's lots of moments
1: like that, where each moment will require that we if we could use the word surrender, it's not quite perfect. because at the same time that is surrender its power. It's overcoming and to surrender the entire world. And and this, and it's let everything in the past like be dissolved,
2: like, let it be. Yeah, let everything be dissolved. And that that is actually what Camille and I practice continuously. Yeah, I I wrote about this um, in, in
1: my previous website, I used to have um, like this 3,000, 4,000 page website at laurenroche.com and uh, I wrote about it a little bit, but I haven't been speaking this way as my primary like discourse. Cause it's like, it's so intimate. And I've been talking more
2: about all the other sort of the outside techniques. But that, that that's something that
1: I learned in that moment. And I had been prepared for that by a couple years of really intense meditation and lots of rolfing at Essel and lots of deep, deep tissue body work. So the whole whole spectrum of things taught at Esalen, Rolfing, Gestalt therapy, art therapy, and dance therapy, and that this incredible discipline of meditation that I learned from the Vinyana Bhairava. And it's... Yeah, it's all, it's all in here. Um, just not as much personal details, not as many stories. But yeah, that moment with my tongue on her clit, that, that changed the universe. (laughs) Nothing was ever the same. Yeah, um, I. <laughs> after that, it actually took me about three years to sort of um, come down because for the next few years, I had very few thoughts because <laughs> I had completely forgiven the world. So I would just like when I meditated, I would have like half an hour of complete mental silence. <laughs> i had to like reincarnate like invent things to care about to get uptight about you got me talking steve (laughs) well i'm very pleased i'm very pleased that you're talking this way yeah these are stories that i there's a way i've never i haven't had um occasion to tell anyone like in some ways the mechanics of it That's in it's in the books. Yeah. Using as little jargon as possible. And my feeling is that the possibilities are increasing for us to experience the body as love, the creation as love, its consciousness as a loving embrace of creation that. At the same time, that in some ways our world is the least meditative, probably the world has ever been. If you watch people move around and you think about the changes, it used to be someone would walk outside and, like, say they would smoke a cigarette or something. People used to, like, walk outside, they would, like, look at the horizon and sort of light a cigarette, which is kind of the devil's pranayama. (laughs) <laughs> and they have a, it is it's the devil trying. They would have a little moment. They would just sort of look at nothing. And and feel the smoke entering their body. It's a like a perverted ritual, like the Native Americans used to smoke tobacco as part of their rituals. It's like incense. See, I'd, Now no one has a quiet moment anymore.
2: Hmm.
1: So in a lot of ways, we're the least meditative probably than anyone has ever been. But like compared with us, like say people of 200 years ago, everybody had to practice a lot of mindfulness because you just had to watch where you're going. Like nobody is more mindful than and then a hunter, than someone who's stalking, through the wilderness, especially alone, and aware that there's animals around that are might want to eat them. Like nobody's more mindful than a primitive person walking in nature.
2: And so on one hand, we're incredibly inattentive
1: to our senses. And so I think to compensate, that we're being dosed with, with magic from the inner world, I think there's a compensation. Yeah, and that's what we need to wake up to, is to invent the meditation practices that work for our body. Yes, and
0: that gear shift that you're talking about,
1: uh, that you talk about
0: that meditational opening up, or opening in, as the case may be.
1: Um, great like it opening in
0: that's mm-hmm. a great
1: phrase you coined i've never heard that opening in when you're meditating just that period of time whatever it is 20 minutes 30 minutes the rules are slightly different it the meaning of your content the content the semantic content of your thoughts does not matter if you're attending to the electricity of the thought and the sensation. So you can be feeling intensity, you can be restless, you can be urging, oh, I gotta get up, I gotta do this, that, the other thing, that's all fine. It's the slight shift in that you're not policing your thoughts in any way. You're, and it's not just witnessing, you use, there's a range of, of uh, attitudes of witnessing being interested feeling investigating welcoming loving the current of excitement itself so if we think of meditation as savoring the current of excitement savoring the thrill of aliveness that's actually a better definition of meditation check it out like if you think of the simplest most universal meditation which is attending to the flow of breathing well what is breath breath is breathe breathing in this fuel this power source called oxygen that fuels the trillion little teeny fires that make up the body so breathing is power breathing is the thrill the electricity of aliveness And when you approach meditation in that way, then you get serenity as a side effect. You get an inner balance and peace from welcoming the wildness. And that works. That's been tested and it works.
0: This has been such a marvelous conversation, Lauren. Thank you so much. Thank you, good. It's my pleasure. I'd like, we could go on and on, I think, doing this, so we'll do it again soon. You've got a teacher training that's just begun or is about to begin. Can you just say beginning. something about that?
1: Just beginning and registration was open. Yeah, I started training meditation teachers about 50 years ago in 1972. And uh, over the time, I've just developed and perfected the methods. So this is a The 20 week program, we stretch it out, take a break during the summer. And it's all online and there are some online things you can come to. You can come to Esalen and Big Sur, Kripalu on the East Coast if you want. But it's all online and interactive where we meet in in large groups and then they break up and you meet with one or two other people at a time and you practice teaching each other. And the training is actually in life skills, intimacy skills, because that's what you need to know as a meditation guide. And what you need to know to construct your own meditation practice, it's how to flow with the rhythms of life, of which breathing is just one. It's it's about rhythm, it's about tolerating intimacy, It's about using all of your senses balance, internal motion, um, inner and outer vision, inner and outer hearing, light touch, deep touch. It's about how to listen to another person and just let them tell you about their natural meditative states, how to discover your own natural meditative doorways and the journey, the journey that each meditation is that resembles the way that movies and novels and stories and shows are structured. There's a there's a plot structure that life goes through. Just the there's a call to adventure and then obstacles we face and an elixir that we find. So the learning to meditate is actually a series of life skills about how to be in conversation with prana basically. So it's it's a beautiful training, which you can take just for your own education. It gives you a grounding in what you need to know in order to thrive in meditation year after year. Yeah, just meditationtt.com or LaurenRoche.com will redirect you there. Or uh, I think RadiantSutras.com also goes to the same place. Yeah, Check it out. This is what you need to know to thrive in meditation. And it's amazing once you start having like a good time in meditation, people will start asking you, hey, how do you do that? I want some of that. Can you show me? Yeah, the like in the United States in 2017, the number was that there were 35 million people. In the country, meditating or trying to meditate, exploring meditation. I wonder, is it up to 50 million by now? I mean, basically, everyone that I talk to, like maybe more than half, said, Yeah, I wish I could meditate. And in their mind, there's all these obstacles. Uh, so there's a lot of people wanting to learn to meditate, tens of millions. And there's very few trained meditation guides and the way that we train you is that you could ask almost anybody a series of questions like what do you love so much that you want to merge with it and if you just listen they will actually teach you what their meditation technique is what what do you do where you just fall into an effortless flow you know like gambling fishing surfing dancing listening to music whatever a smoking pot what what do you do, what are your natural doorways into peacefulness and if you listen the per- person will actually teach you the the st- the structure you need of sensible things that make up their meditation practice yeah that's part of what you learn the rhythms of life Yeah, it's a great, it's a great training. It's so fun to teach. I don't know how it is that I fell into doing being part of the meditation research at the University of California in 1968. And I'm still doing this and that it's so much fun. I did. I have no idea how I've just been doing this one thing for 54 years but it sure is fun to share like, here's the best of the best of the best of the best of what I've learned over the last half a century from all these genius teachers that I've been around. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, meditationtt.com. Also, I seem to be the only, somehow I'm the only Lauren Roche around when I do searches. So yeah, any of those ways you'll find me. This has been just a marvelous, conversation Lauren Marvelous. thank you so much you're such a good listener what Steve has been doing with me where he's listening so deeply that uh like the the truth is just flowing that's basically what a good meditation teacher is in the way that we train people it, you just listen to your own body, you listen to your own soul, you listen to another person. And, and then each moment of the conversation is kind of miraculous. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Guru Viking. This, yay, all hail Guru Viking. (laughs) (laughs) It's always a pleasure, Lauren. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: What a pleasure. Thank you for listening to another Guru Viking podcast.